is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. We have a fantastic guest lined up for you today, one of the greats. We have Alaska, drag superstar. Uh, She's in our house today. We have two of her songs, um, their anthems, uh, lined up that we're going to play for you. Um, With many million followers across social media platforms, Alaska is one of the top-tier famous drag queens. With the RuPaul All-Stars crown to her credit, her brand is loved and adored by very, very many people. Um, The public first fell for her on the fifth season of RuPaul's Drag Race, where she finished um, in the final three. And then she returned triumphant and won the crown um, in season two of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Since then, she has been very, 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 very busy. Um, She's released four chart-topping studio albums. She has several acting credits and awards to her credit now. She wrote a memoir uh, titled My Name's Yours, What, whoops, My Name's Yours, What's Alaska, a memoir. Um, She has toured the globe. spreading her message of love, kindness, and gender nonconformity. She also co-hosts a wildly popular uh, podcast called Race Chaser, for those of us who chase drag race. Um, She co-created the Drag Queen of the Year pageant competition. Um, She debuted a live stage show uh, in the fall of 2022 called Drag the Musical, she is the face of one of six featured flavors with Sir Vodka, and um, her latest foray into, well, one of the latest is a um, world of perfume with Red Fulfilled Fragrance. She has also um, just released a vinyl version of her popular album, Pound Cake, and she is about to launch on a tour Um, called It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Alaska um, in Celebration of Christmas. So we have a lot to talk to her about. Before we go to her, I'm going to bring on Brody Levesque. Brody is our news guy, and he also is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine, uh, which you should be reading every single day. Brody, welcome to the show. What's new? Hey, Rob. And hi to all of our listeners everywhere. Uh, thank you all so very much. Uh, and we continue to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us all over the place, and we really appreciate it. Um, a couple of things just right off the, the top of the board uh, that I think is kind of really important. Um, last month during a presentation uh, at the Smithsonian's Museum uh, of African American history and culture, they debuted uh, the Netflix film Rustin. During the presentation of the film in its premiere, 
uh, former President Barack Obama, who was one of the executive producers alongside of his wife, uh, the former First Lady Michelle Obama, made the notation that in many ways, Bayer Rustin, who the film is about and was a key figure in the American Civil Rights Movement, was denied off times of a lot of the credit he deserved because he was gay. Uh, the president made these uh, comments during the screening uh, at the uh, African History and Culture Museum there at the Smithsonian. One of the things is that uh, uh, we'll debut uh, on, um, I believe it's the 17th of this month on Netflix. Um, it'll start streaming. Uh, I've already seen it. Uh, those of us in the press were treated to uh, an early screener. It's excellent, excellent, excellent. I highly, highly, highly recommend um, everybody uh, watches this. It was uh, directed by five-time Tony Award-winning director and DGA uh, Award-winning director George Wolf. Uh, The script was written by Julian Brees and Academy Award winner uh, Dustin Lance Black. Um, it's, it just really, I think, does a very good job uh, of telling the story of really a hero of the American civil rights movement that a lot of people just don't know about. And so I highly recommend it. The film is called Rustin, and it will be on Netflix on November 17th. So please, please, please watch that film. Uh, also, um, and a nod to you, Rob. Uh, you did a uh, overview review of a uh, video that was done by country artist uh, Ty- uh, Tyler uh, Childers. Uh, Tyler is an ally to our community, uh, and he uh, wrote a song uh, that uh, is titled In Your Love, and he got together with an award-winning director, Silas House, and um, – who's also a poet laureate and they put together a video that I think is really, really sweet. Uh, and it picked up five Grammy nominations. Uh, and it was also recently mentioned at the country music awards in Nashville last week. So, um, this is a really, really, uh, cool little video. Uh, if you guys go to Los Angeles, uh, you look under music and concerts, uh, and you'll see uh, Rob's story there. The video is actually embedded in the article. So if you guys get an opportunity, go take a look. It's just such a sweet video. The song is really good. Uh, and I think you guys will all appreciate it. Shifting gears. Um, all right. So uh, the president, uh, who is currently in San Francisco meeting with Chinese President Xi, uh, has nominated an outlier to the Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, If she becomes confirmed by the U.S. Senate, then she will literally become the first openly LGBT person on the Fourth Circuit. Uh, Her name is Nicole Berner. Nicole currently serves as the Council General for the Service Employees International Union uh, in Washington, which is the nation's largest union for service employees in the hospitality and food and restaurant uh, industry, uh, along with some other things that they represent as well. Uh, so her nomination was put forward, uh, and hopefully we shall see her on the fourth circuit. Uh, the next thing up, uh, I was uh, really happy to see this. 
uh, global pop, uh, pop icon, uh, Pink, uh, announced on Monday that she's in partnership with Pen America and um, Books and Books, which is a Florida bookseller. And she's doing a concert swing uh, in the Florida right now. And at every stop along the way, she is going to be giving away banned books uh, that Monster Liberty and the state of Florida has deemed inappropriate uh, because they're on black and LGBTQ themes. They were written about black and LGBT folks by authors. Uh, they cover race, racism, LGBTQ identities. Um, and, of course, all those books in Florida and other places where they're trying to ban books uh, have been disproportionately affected because, quite frankly, they're being targeted. So Pink uh, is partnered with Pan America, and as she goes through her Florida uh concert schedule she'll be handing out books to folks for free which i think is very 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 cool um and the last bit of news which is kind of interesting to say the very least after a month of bickering which also cost former house speaker kevin mccarthy his job uh, the u.s house last night voted on passage of a continuing resolution to keep the federal government funded through at least the holidays uh, the bill is now in the Senate for consideration. Uh, the majority leader's office told me today they expect a floor vote on it probably Thursday. The deadline, of course, is midnight Friday. Um, the president has already indicated he will sign it. It's what we refer to as a clean CR. There are no encumbrances, poison pills, or nasty things on it. Interestingly enough, uh, it was brought to the floor in a procedure where the bill would require a two-thirds majority vote. It got it. Uh, it was 336 to 95, uh, where you had a whole bunch of Democrats that signed on with the Republicans to pass it, uh, which was really uh, an interesting thing. And, of course, as a note, this CR that passed to continue the funding through to uh, basically January, uh, past the deadline on Friday, it's the same kind of continuing resolution that McCarthy had passed that cost him his job. Johnson, the new speaker, apparently has been given a pass by the more radical members of the caucus. The poison pills that folks were expecting uh, were things that would target our trans siblings, uh, would target um, even our guest who's coming on uh, through some of trying the cultural, social things, um, you know, that were written into the bill on book bans and other things. And all these poison pills didn't make it into the final draft of the CR. So it was a clean CR, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see these fights continue as we move through the process uh, going forward um, as they start to renegotiate the federal budget. Um, But at least, um, you know, we're there. And actually I do have one more thing. And, um, That is something that I'm very happy about. Uh, We had a situation in Texas where a trans boy was uh, had he had been awarded the role or given the role, a lead role, male uh, role in Oklahoma, and then the school pulled it and took it away from him, and then they did a new policy thing just for that production, which also bounced some of the girls out of their roles because they were playing guys. There was just massive amounts of protests. Uh, Rob, you wrote your op-ed. We covered it at the Blade. A lot of people got upset. It became a national thing. Um, 
Yesterday, the Sherman Independent School District in Sherman, Texas, rescinded uh, their decision. They gave the wall back to Max Hightower, the 17-year-old trans boy, so he'll be back playing the leading male role in Oklahoma. The other kids, the girls, will get back their roles. Uh, and now the district's going to have to rethink its policies. Again, this is a suburban Texas city that's about roughly 45 minutes north of Dallas. Uh, it's right in what we call Abbott country, so there's a lot of right-wingers there. Uh, on the particular school board, it should be noted that there are two of them that are either part of or supporters of Moms for Liberty, so what happened wasn't really all that unexpected. However, they blinked. They backed off. Max Hightower got his roll back. The girls are back, uh, and the kids are going to be able to put the show on next spring after all. But I just think it's kind of ironic that it took, you know, a national push to get the school board to do the right thing. And that's exactly what it was. Um, The school board even acknowledged that the national publicity caught them off guard. So for everybody who contributed um, to that effort, thank you very much. Uh, Because, you know, these kids don't need to be persecuted for who they are or who they love. It's ridiculous. They just need to be kids. Uh, and then with that, Rob, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, in this case, it wasn't who they love. It's just who they are, period. Um, it was an insane thing. Uh, Brody's original article, Breaking That News, went viral on Twitter. Um, my op-ed hit the um, the most popular list on the L.A. Blade. So very glad that publicity got out there and glad it could be part of it that put pressure on it. But it's an insane thing um, altogether. But with that, I do want to bring our special guest on, Alaska. Welcome to the show. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. I am, like, so thrilled to talk to you. I love your talent. It is You are so hilarious, and your, your talent at delivering comedy in the most kind of subtle, offhanded way is absolutely brilliant um when you kind of launched into and you with ambition forced your way onto the drag scene which was rightly so because you had the talent to do it um at that time did you have any idea that the american public could turn into this kind of backlash that the republicans are doing right now um no i mean no, I well, I mean, it wasn't when I first started drag. It was sort of like it wasn't drag wasn't like a viable career choice like it is now. It was just sort of like this underground, like very strange thing that like not really a lot of people either knew existed, and if they knew it existed, they didn't understand anything about it. So there was no like eyes on it really from the sort of mainstream culture. But now that there is then I guess that means that we get our turn to be a distraction so that the government can continue to not really do anything about important issues, like um, the fact that inflation is making it impossible for people to just live. Uh, healthcare costs way too much. Um, education costs way too much. Uh, and these are things that the government could actually be working on, but instead they're like, look, somebody over there 
says trans people aren't real. Let's focus on that. It's like so stupid. So stupid, uh, especially with the, you know, oh, my God, she's wearing a dress and reading a children's book. Um, one, one of the many things you did, I mean, I cannot believe the energy you must have to accomplish all the things you have. But you did write a, um, a, a novella for adolescents. Um, what was your what was your mo for for doing that, and what 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 do you want adolescents to know about drag? I wonder if Pink is giving out copies of that book on tour. I hope so, because <laughs> it's probably bad. I mean, it's the the young adult fiction. I mean, I didn't really write it. I sort of came up with like the story of it, and then like we had someone who was a writer just sort of writes a story um but it's cute and it's good um and it's about it's basically the alien like origin story of alaska uh which you know i mean it's not even really about drag it's more about just like being being an extraterrestrial that doesn't adhere to like the strange gender restrictions that planet earth has decided are a thing yeah, no, it's uh, well, it's that's awesome. I love the persona of Alaska and um, landing in Alaska, and it, I mean, it's it is so cool to see the influence you have had. Uh, even in talking to friends, I have an actor friend who I just I mentioned about um, you doing the release of the vinyl version of Pound Cake, and he was like, "Oh my God, Pound Cake, we." listen to that CD and put on makeup. We had parties around that CD. And that's, you know, just how ingrained in the culture you are. Um, what was what was the motivation for now releasing it on vinyl? Well, the album never got a chance to be on vinyl. So um, Obsessed came to me and they were like, do you want to do like a release of this and a, like a limited sort of edition sort of thing? And I was like, sure. Uh, as long as if on the cover we can make, uh, make me have face tattoos. So I'm, so I, I, I covered the, the cover of it with tattoos. So it looks like I have tattoos all over. Um, I, I mean, I think the vinyl is sold out. I looked online and it looks like the vinyl is sold out, but they're also releasing like some really cool like t-shirts and like tote bags, I think. So, um, I don't know. Check it out. I don't, uh, there might be some left. I don't know. Well, well uh, I hope, I hope there are. And I know the, the your other albums are also apparently available on vinyl if those aren't sold out as well, but. Um, it's just a cool thing. I mean, I, if I got a hold of it, I'd probably frame it rather than because I have not had the best relationship with vinyl in my past. Um, mm-hmm. I have plenty of records that that do the skip thing, and it's not intentional. Um, yeah, but, uh, they're they're cool pieces of artwork in, in of them of themselves. Um, when you were young and growing up in Pennsylvania and about to do um, theater school and college and all that, was your family accepting and supportive of drag and being gay and all those kind of elements? 
or is that something you had to fight for? Um, I mean, I think it was more like a protective thing. Like my mom was sort of like protective of me because she knew that like if I, you know, if I wanted to like play and girl stuff that I would be like ridiculed, I'd get, I'd get made fun of, I, you know, who knows what could happen. So I think there was like a protectiveness. And then once I moved away and I went to college and I sort of, then I just really started dabbling in drag. I think for a while it took, it took my family a while to like understand what that even was. It was like, that was pre-drag race. So there was no sort of like, there was no like information as to what being a drag queen even was. Uh, But once I was on drag race, I think that changed everything. Now my family is just like, they love it and they come to every show that I do and I'm out there. I, I would think so just because, you know, obviously I think it's very cool to be gay and um, I'm, I'm actually a proponent yeah. for it. But um, uh, when, when I see you walk out on stage and when you did on drag race with such confidence and self awareness, it's like you, owned your uniqueness and you owned your talent and you were unapologetic. It's very hard to be critical of that. I mean, you come off with such strength and it's super inspiring. Um, How does it feel at that? Do you feel that confident when you're, you're on stage? Is that presence there or are you, is there a nervous person inside cowering? I mean, I I do always get nervous before I go on stage. It's like, I mean, it's always, that's always there. But, but it's also like, I don't know. I mean, I come from, I come from the theater. So it's, it's very like, I don't know. It's just like going on stage for like a theater thing. It's like, it's not like I'm exuding confidence. I'm just doing the, like, I'm just doing the thing. And, and, I, and I'm glad I'm glad that drag, like, gives people confidence. I think, like, as an art form, that is something really fierce about it. People feel empowered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, we've got a couple of your tracks um, to play today. Um, And if you're okay with that, I want to play the first one now. Um, This one is called Beautiful Night. And if you're okay, I'm going to roll that. Cool. Here we go. Here is Beautiful Night by Alaska.
but uh, Angels We Have Heard on High um, is, like, absolutely beautiful, um, your version of it. Well, thank you. I thought it was pretty. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I want to do this song, but I want to do a really minor, scary version of it. So that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to kind of take you back to your your beginning days. Um, I thought it was fascinating on how you got into drag race to begin with. That you know, you you tried for all the seasons leading up to the one where you finally made it on. And then you kind of figured out the secret sauce of the audition tape. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and of what your aha moment was and what you put into the tape that made it something they could not say no to? I mean, I don't think I figured out any secret sauce. I, I think I just kept doing it. I, I'd like, you and that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, I I don't know how it is nowadays, but I mean back then it was like you just had to keep telling them like I'm here and I'm uh, I want to be on the show because every year is different and you never know like where they're going to try to fit you in or you know it it has to be the right moment. So I guess it was just it was just finally the right moment. Yeah. Well, it's I mean it. It it was I mean you catapulted right to the top obviously, and um, was thrilled to see you take the crown in the second season of um, All Stars. What um, of of your drag career so far was winning All Star the um, All Stars season? Has that been the pinnacle, or has that just been a blip on a long career? What is your most poignant moment? in drag to date? I don't know. I mean, drag race is like amazing. Drag race is the top. Like it's the, it's the best show. It's like my favorite thing. Like, so getting to be on it twice and getting to stay the whole time, both times was like, was, was really amazing. Like I'm always going to remember that as like a great memory in my life. But I mean, now I'm just, now I'm just doing drag, you know, and it's fun to like to do drag and figure out what that means for me as a as an artist or as a person and just doing stuff that I like. So, I mean, that's the fact that I still have a job doing drag is crazy, and I'm I'm grateful for it all the time. Do you have any creative? aspiration of something that you wanted i mean you've you've touched so much you you sing you um you perform in acting you do a podcast you have written books you know you you are all over the place um artistically is there a dream project that you have in mind that you would love to do well um Drag the Musical is really cool, and we've we've put it up in L.A., uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing where it pops up next and uh, seeing how that continues to grow and evolve. So that's really cool. But, I mean, you know, beyond that, I don't know, a movie someday? I don't know that I want to be in it, but I want to, like, do it. Because, I, I mean, I have one for you. <laughs> I have a dream for you. You do? I would love to see Alaska 
on a Real Housewives, you know, as part of the oh, friend group of a Real Housewives. <laughs> she belongs so I, I will. I'll be, like, a guest on an episode, like Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, I'm fine with that. I don't need to be a Real Housewife. I'm not the one. I can't. I can't fight that much. I'm I'm a middle child. All I want to do is like make peace. I'm really not good for that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, and I have to say I cheated because you have probably one of the most iconic moments in Drag Race history with the um where where you do the spoof of the 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 Real Housewife moment when she she tosses her leg on the table. Yeah, I've still never seen that episode. And I I do watch Housewives. Oh, you're Live. kidding. I watch, I watch a bunch of them, but I just knew that, like, it was a meme and, like, it was a thing that, that I, I don't know. It was a thing that people were, like, it was going around on the Internet. So I was like, I'm going to do the leg thing. I still don't know what it's about or what they're even fighting about. <laughs> that is too funny because I, I saw your version of it before I watched The Real Housewives. Uh, oh, series uh, that was on. So, so it was like when I watched it, it was like, oh, that's what Alaska. Was doing. It was like, but you nailed it. For... <laughs> Thank you. So, but, but Real Housewives is like it's a bunch of these women who dress up essentially in drag. They have their whole glam squad, and then they get drunk and then they fight. I mean, that's kind of the the thing, which I think. Alaska would be a shit stirrer in that kind of environment. You know, but um, I love the hair anyway. and makeup, love the drinking, but I the fighting. I just I don't like. I don't want to do it. I'm not good at it. Yeah, I'm really really bad at it. <laughs> well, that that was my one dream. So shot shot to hell on that one. Um, and oh. There was another one that I was seeing that I, I just. Um, I mean, you. If Paul Lind had done drag, I think he would have wanted to be Alaska. Okay, I love that. Yeah, you know, because that's 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 kind of the the comedic um, chops that that you bring to it. The one thing you did talk about in a video about your original audition tape was coming up with obscure things that only RuPaul would necessarily know about. Like you were putting in like secret little things in your video to try and trigger him. And um, I was kind of wondering whether you thought that worked. Uh, Well, RuPaul is such a reference queen. And I think she really, she loves knowing that she can quote, some random show from the 1970s and and if someone can quote it back to her or can or give her the next line it just tickles her brain and i'm i'm like literally the same way i i speak in references to things so i think it it was definitely something i did i was like oh, i'm going to i'm going to hold uh, i'm going to hold RuPaul's book in this scene to like show her that i've read it and like yeah, just just uh, and I'm gonna speak in quotes that she said in very obscure videos on YouTube. And uh, yeah, I guess it worked. I guess she liked it. I'm sure she. I'm sure she did. Um, so we've got another um, track 
queued up. Um, it is I Am Her, She Is Me. If you're okay with that, I want to play that one too. Sure. Here we go. Is it on? Is this thing recording? This is T.S. Madison. Remember, there was a time I lived my life for everyone but me. And then I found her. She was my guide, my love, my light. And I am her and she is me. Anything you can imagine, I can make it happen. Tell myself that I'm her, she is me. I am every woman, every day I'm learning. Tell myself that I'm her, she is me. If you see a man face making money on the street, I'm her, she is me. If you see a CEO turning everything green, I'm her, she is me. If you see a bad bitch, go and tell her she a queen. Bitches, bitch, suck a dick and stand on that shit. It's T.S. Madison out. <laughs> okay, so that that's awesome. Um, so where where do you um, draw the line between who you are internally and the character of Alaska? Where is the overlap? Again, I am her. She is me. Um. I don't, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of overlap. It isn't really that different. Like uh, some drag queens are like, oh, I'm, I, I speak in a different voice. And like, this is a character that's totally outside myself. And I'm like, I, I think mine is a little more blurry than that. It's like, it, it's me, but, uh, but Alaska can, Alaska does things that I wouldn't, do. she's a lot more, bombastic and and kind of loud and her volume is turned up more but essentially i don't know we we're we're the same like essence and spirit 
So, so like, if you guys pissed off at, like, the telephone company, would you have Alaska call in and complain? No, because she doesn't know how to use the telephone. I mean, she just doesn't even, <laughs> doesn't even know. That's my job. I have to do that. <laughs> yeah, take care of the bitch. <laughs> so um, I do have a caller in, and uh, they probably have a question for you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to let them um, ask it. And with that, uh, Juan, do you have a question for Alaska? Hi. Oh, my gosh. Hello, Rob. Hello, Alaska. Big fan. I love your work. So I have a personal podcast where I talk about navigating the film industry, talking about the successes and, like, the trials and tribulations. My question for you is, what are some things that you learned while a part of the entertainment industry, and what are, like, some factors that you feel everybody should know, but no one really emphasizes? Um, uh, well, thank you for calling in, and thanks for your question. Um, uh, thanks, Juan. I don't know. I mean, back I, on hold. I guess ahead, something sorry. I learned. I guess something I learned that um, when I was, you know, first starting out, I mean, even before drag, it was like when I was studying theater and I was working on, you know, uh, theater shows, whether I was like acting in them or like I was designing costumes or, you know, doing something behind the scenes. Uh, Like, I think that showing up is important and showing up on time is important. And that's something I learned before I even, you know, got on Drag Race or started doing drag, because it's like, because I, I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of people who it's their job to make these things happen. So, like, if you're doing a show or whatever, and you say that you're going to be there at this time, I think it's just, like, it's nice and it's courteous and it's, like, and it's very helpful to make the whole machine run if you, like, do show up and if you show up on time. So yeah, I like your, to do that. Your, your professionalism is, is both admirable and important, um, and that is, you know, your reputation, which is, is, is a great reputation to have, and the best always have that kind of reputation. Um, I wanted to ask you about another project that you are co-creator of which I thought was an important contribution, which is the Drag Queen of the Year pageant competition, which kind of, to me, broadened the arena of drag to, because they're, they're different sort of drag specialties. And with that competition, you seem to embrace a much broader swipe of those than you see in other places. What, how did you get involved with that, where's that going, and what were your feelings about it? Well, um, uh, my dear friend Lola LaCroix and I started the Drag Queen of the Year pageant competition, award contest competition, because it was sort of a response to, like, we saw a lot of really cool uh, drag happening that wasn't getting featured on Drag Race. And we were like, there's just this sort of untapped, like, like well of just, like, 
genius like art being made out there that wasn't getting really the spotlight that Drag Race got. So we were like, we wanted to do something that, you know, shared that spotlight, that applause and, you know, um, so we did it and we did it. We did the first one as an experiment and uh, we put it together ourselves. That is to say Lola did most of the work, um, but we, um, we did it and it was amazing. And so we've done it for four years now. We, we even did one during the pandemic. We did it like digitally and, uh, and um, we're going to do it again. I think that's awesome. I really, I think it's important. It's more than just awesome. It's it's because it's to your point earlier that you know drag used to be this kind of sideline thing that nobody really knew about. You know, if you went to gay bars, you kind of knew about it, and it was you know occasionally, occasionally there was it appeared in a movie as kind of a fluky thing, and now it's becoming this much more mainstream art form thanks to you and, you know, the world of wonder and, and everything involved in that. Um, what, where would you like to see that art form go as it becomes more mainstream as more and more young people start embracing it and get excited about it? Where would you like it to go and what would you like its ultimate contribution to society to be? Well, I think drag out its core uh, is a sort of is a uh, a critique or like a comment on society. I, I think it it shows the absurdity of the idea of gender and identity being like these fixed things written in stone that everyone mm-hmm. takes really seriously. And I think it sort of I think it sort of clowns that it calls it out. And I think the I think drag will continue to do that. So, I mean, I think drag's doing a pretty good job and uh, I can't wait to see what it does next. I I think that that's a huge point because it's a little bit ironic because drag is sort of the art form where you put on something other than you on the outside of you that's supposed to be something you're not but it actually ends up reflecting the part of you that you are that people can't see. And, um, you know, which, which makes it even all the more fascinating. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to some of the products that you've, you've got going. Um, you have a Red for Filth perfume. Where did that come from and, and what is that about? And, most importantly, what does it smell like? Uh, well, I uh, I've always wanted to do a fragrance. Um, I did the on season five. We had a fragrance challenge, and I won it. But it it took me ten years to get it together to get a fragrance that was good enough um, to actually like put out there. And it smells really good. It smells like lilacs, which is like my favorite flower from my childhood. It has sort of like tobacco and leather in it. And it also has a hint of the smell of cocaine, which I don't know how they did it, uh, but they (laughs) isolated what cocaine smells like. And so uh, it's a really good scent. It's it's kind of for everybody. It's it's non-binary. It's unisexual. It's for everybody. It's, It's great. 
That sounds awesome. And, folks, there you go for your Christmas present. You know, red for filth, red for Christmas. Um, Alaska, give us a little bit more about your show and where do people get tickets for um, the tour and where, what cities are you excited to be appearing in? Well, we're starting in Seattle, and then we're making our way all the way across, you know, North America. There's some Canada in there. Uh, but you can go to my website, alaskathunderfuck.com, and you can find out what city we're going to be in near you. And you said it's only a hint of Christmas, but what else is what else do you have packed in, in, in amongst the Christmas? Well, it's really it's less about Christmas and it's more about like artificial intelligence as a uh as a threat to society and to humanity and uh it's also about how, you know, um billionaires should be taxed so that uh so that the rest of us can live lives of dignity and humanity. So, it's really about that. <laughs> Okay, that, that that sounds absolutely fascinating. I, that is exciting. The poster, by the way, is gorgeous. I love that. You look stunning in that poster. Thank you. It's um, you know, so if for so if nothing, well, no, go sign up for tickets. Um, you know, it's it's a show that I'm sure you want to see. But definitely go check out the poster on um the the website. Um, Alaska, what is the website that people should find all this good stuff on? You can go to alaskathunderfuck.com. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and, you know, obviously um, drag is center stage um, and probably as amongst the things that you tell young people, this stuff, you know, we're withholding from you, you can't do that, we're against it is going to attract them to it even more, which is a good thing. Um, so what would your message be to young people who are checking out drag now and exploring it? Um, I mean, I think that young people should, you know, follow things that interest them, that they have a natural curiosity about and that make them feel alive. And as long as you're doing that, I think that you're going to end up on the right path and you're going to, you're going to, I don't know, make the world a better place. So if that happens to be drag, uh, great. Yeah, no. And I think the, the thing that you were talking about before about gender is an important point um, because one of the realizations I think younger people are having is that, being forced into one of two boxes is not really even natural. And I think drag allows you to get out of that. Um, Plus there is a lot of toxic masculinity that we're having to deal with. And drag really flies in the face of that. You know, it's like nothing better than, than meeting the macho with the power of wearing lipstick. So. Exactly. You know. So um, now, you being on a podcast today is not a new thing for you. You have your own podcast, Race Chaser. Um, can you tell us how that got started and, and how people can find you there? Well, um, 
Willem and I, uh, we were on some tour at some point, and uh, we were watching old episodes of Drag Race, like on a long bus ride with a bunch of other queens, and uh, we just all had a lot to say about it. It was it was hilarious, and and so we were like, what if we did a podcast like this? And and we talked about you know every season, every episode of Drag Race, and. So we did the first one as an experiment and it went really great. And so we're still doing it. And our goal is to do every episode of Drag Race uh, from the beginning. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Wow. Are you doing just U.S. Drag Race or are you covering the other iterations in other countries as well? We do uh, uh, predominantly the U.S. version, but we've also branched out. So it really just depends. Depends because there's a lot of seasons on at the same time now. So yeah, it's you know, it's phenomenal. Well, you are you are an entertainer. You're an inspiration. You are a light for many, many, many people. And I want to thank you for just being you. Um, Especially, I want to thank you for coming on here today. Um, we only have a few minutes left. What haven't we talked about that we should have mentioned? I don't know. You've been very extensive. I think we covered it all. <laughs> well, well, I didn't get to your favorite color. I didn't get to your favorite food. So, you know, but uh, but we'll leave all that a big mystery. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for being you. Um, Again, the tour um, coming up is, um, and the name just escaped me. Um, It's beginning to look a lot like Alaska. It's beginning to look, I kept wanting to say Christmas. It's beginning to look like a lot like Alaska. Get the tickets for that. Um, check out the website for other lots of other goodies um, that we haven't even talked about, but um, you know, take advantage of those. Also, in your reading time, read the LA Blade. That is the latest breaking news that is of interest to the LGBTQ community. You can find that at LosAngelesBlade.com. Um, I want to thank Alaska for coming on and for being a fabulous guest. I want to thank um, our caller, Juan, for calling in and asking a question. And, of course, I want to thank Brody for his work both uh, producing the show as well as being editor of the Los Angeles Blade. And that is all the time we have for today. So we will be back here again next week, same time, same place. Can't wait to talk to you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio!